Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we are so glad you are here. And we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Hey, what's going on, Amber? It's uh, good to be here, as always, to talk about leadership. I got my cup of coffee. Let's do this. Well, in last week's episode, Effective Leaders Rise to the Challenge, we talked about how to identify problems, and we gave our listeners a few ways to be ready to rise to the challenge. But as always, you had a lot more to say about this topic, so we decided to make it a two-part series and really hone in on what it means to rise to the challenge and what, after we've learned how to do that, what we can do next. So today's episode, we titled Effective Leaders Live for the Challenge. And I can tell you already, I am really excited about this topic because, as you know, I love a challenge. I'm a type A on the Enneagram, which is called the challenger. And that could not be more true of me, as you know. So I love to play games on my phone. And I'm not going to tell you how often I play games because you're going to tell me I need to spend more time reading books. (laughs) But I like to play games on my phone. And because I play the free version, there's always a ton of ads. And I'm usually pretty good at resisting an ad until they throw down a challenge. So when they say something like 5,000 people have played this game this week and failed or 30,000 people can't beat level 100, I'm like, download and clear my schedule. This is happening right now because I love a challenge. Now, while that isn't really the best use of my time or the most productive use of that skill, what I've learned about myself is that you get the best me out of me when you put me in a position where I can tackle a challenge, where I can rise to the challenge, because I really do live for the challenge. It, it's life-giving to me. It's exciting for me. But I recognize that that's not necessarily true for all of our listeners. For some, they don't get the same rush when they face a challenge. So today, we're going to give them three actions that they can learn to live by today that will help them become effective leaders that really can live for a challenge. So why don't you tell us, Mo, what is the first thing that people can do to live for the challenge? Wow. Thanks, Amber. That was a really good run up to exactly what we're talking about today. And yes, there are three actions that all leaders live by if they want to live for the challenge. It's not just enough to do what we talked about in the last podcast, which is to rise to the challenge, but leaders, you really need to be out there and want to live for the challenge. In fact, these three things are what all effective leaders do and they should do. It doesn't matter if you're a challenger on the Enneagram like Amber is or you're not because I'm not a challenger on the Enneagram either, but I do live for a challenge. And so Amber, um, I hope everybody's got their pen and pencil ready because this is the first one. Here it is. Effective leaders look for problems. And let me tell you, it's important to know that you can live to look for those problems. And I know all of you out there probably have a crazy look on your face because it sounds crazy on its face, but really this is what leaders do. 
We've all heard the phrase, the calm before the storm, right? <laughs> and that's a state of mind that leaders have to have in listening for what is going on and what is about to happen. Because you can bet that as soon as life gets easy, as soon as you feel like everything's going your way, there's something on the horizon. In fact, if things weren't easy, you probably wouldn't sit back on your heels a little bit and get caught off guard. But you can know this, that you're probably lucky if you're in any kind of season of leadership where there isn't crazy problems going on, but you have to be ready for them. And leaders, you need to be looking for those. Martin Luther King once said this, leadership is self-made. People who have deliberately decided to become problem solvers lead better. Leaders, do you want to lead better out there? Just like Martin Luther King Jr. says, because when you decide to become a problem solver, you're going to start to make decisions differently and you're going to start seeing life through the leadership lens. Nobody's going to do it for you. And actually, most people are trying to stay as far, as far away from problems as possible, right? Because for others, those who aren't leaders, problems are just things that get in the way. But for a leader, every problem is an opportunity. Amber, I know that you and I have had a lot of opportunities together to tackle those problems, right, in the past. So is this something that you do out there, leaders? Do you view your problems as a challenge, as a way to get things done? You see, it doesn't matter whether it's a problem with distribution of your product at your company or even problems between team members at the company. Leaders are always looking for those problems. Well, Mo, there are some people that no matter how things are going, they're going to find a problem. They're going to find something to complain about or something to criticize. You know, we call them, you know, negative Nancy or nagging Ned. And it just doesn't matter how good things are going. They're going to find a problem. So what is the difference between those kind of people and the kind of leaders that you're talking about that are intentionally looking for a problem? That is such a great question because there is a distinction. And here's the distinction, Amber, for the question that you just asked. For the people that are the, I think you call them negative Nancys or the nagging Neds out there. And we've all got them in our companies, right? And like they always say, if you don't know who the negative Nancy or the nagging Ned is, it's probably you. <laughs> so hopefully you're not that person at your work. But we all know those people that are looking for problems in a negative way meaning they aren't looking for problems so that they can make things better. They're looking for problems so that they can whine, complain, and make excuses. And Amber, you know that my second set of three is always don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. And that's the difference. Leaders, the men and women who are taking on the responsibility and looking for the problems in a company or on a team, they're the ones that are looking because they want to get in front of those, those problems. They want to tackle those problems. There's a great quote by a, a guy named uh, George Polia, and this is what he says. It's better to solve one problem five different ways rather than solve five problems one way. Leaders, is that the kind of leader that you are? And are you the kind of person who looks to solve problems in a different way? Or are you set in your ways? Because you want to view problems and solve them from a variety of different ways. Don't be stuck in your ways. Don't be stuck in one way of doing things.
You see, if you have that kind of my way or the highway thinking, and again, we all know those people. Leaders, you cannot be a my way or the highway kind of leader because then you're going to just slip into management mode. You're not going to go very far in leadership with that kind of attitude, which brings me to a sub point on this first main point, which is this. When you're looking for problems, you always need to keep your ego in check. You got to do that, leader. Sometimes you as a leader, you're going to end up being the problem. And that's usually when you let your ego get in the way because you want it to be your way. You know the best way to do things. It doesn't matter what other people say. You just give them lip service. You're just nodding while they're saying what, what we can do to, to solve a problem. And you're just thinking, yeah, just get through what you're saying so that I can, I can do things the right way, which is my way. Leaders, you can't do that. I mean, talk about qualities and attributes to have as a leader. You know, you got to ask yourself different kinds of questions. And here's the questions that you need to ask yourself. Here they are. First questions of the day. Am I the kind of person who gets things done? It's not about your ego. It's about getting things done. However, you get them done. You're just looking for the best way to do it. Next question is this. How is my attitude around the people who look to me as a leader? Leader, do, leaders, do you make excuses? Because Amber, we got to remember this. <laughs> Just because there's a problem, it doesn't always mean that you're going to have a solution right away. I mean, wasn't it like that for you and me when we were first tackling the issues with your company? Yeah, absolutely. And so you can deter from looking at problems in the right way and kind of skew towards the wrong way. But I would say this, you need to keep your thinking in the right direction. Leaders, there's a lot of problems out there waiting for you, and you need to address those problems. And because you address them, and just because you address them, doesn't mean that, that you're going to solve them right away. But if you don't identify those problems, then when you finally deal with them, when you finally get around to them, well, that's when they are going to be rearing their ugly heads and saying, you know, we're sitting right here. Here's some problems. You should have been looking for me. And things are going to be worse. It never gets better. And so I, I didn't this point uh, with this, Amber. Leaders need to take initiative. They need to ask the hard questions. Leaders, you need to look for areas in your company that others refuse to explore. If you start there, you're going to be in good company with a lot of problems because the problems are there. Trust me, your people know it. You probably even know right now, you're probably thinking, Mo, I know the problems that my company should be addressing. And you know what? If you get in front of those and start addressing them, people are going to start looking to you. You just need to give yourself enough time. You need to be inquisitive about those problems. Don't just rush in and tackle them, but get to know them a little bit. Trust me, if you haven't done this, those problems, they're not going to go away. They're just going to get bigger. But over time, if you tackle those problems, little by little, they're going to start to get smaller, maybe even just a little bit. And that's what makes the problem even easier to deal with. Not, not completely easy, <laughs> but at least a little bit easier. And I would rather have a lot of small problems than a lot of big problems. And all the small problems, Amber, are going to turn into bigger problems if we don't address them. So do what others don't. Do what others won't. Look for the problems, get them on your radar, and get to working on them. Well, and once you start looking for them, you are for sure going to find them, especially if you're looking for the problems, like you said, that no one else is willing to look for. You go looking, 
you're for sure going to find them. So then what is the next thing that we need to do after we go looking for problems? What's the second thing that effective leaders need to do? Yeah, Amber, here it is. The second thing that effective leaders do is this. Effective leaders major on the majors. And let me tell you, this was one of the favorite phrases of one of my mentors early on in life. He always said, Mo, you got to major on the majors and minor on the minors. Because leaders, you should always be looking for trouble. Again, you're the one who is looking for things so that you don't get blindsided. And it's easy to get bogged down in all the little stuff. But leaders are always evaluating and they're reevaluating. In fact, Andy Stanley says this, if it's worth doing, it's worth evaluating, right? Amber, how how many times have you heard me say that before, right? I mean, that's just good soup. So the question is, leaders, are you evaluating the things that are going on in your company to find out what the major issues are that are facing your company? Can you distinguish those from the minor or the little issues? It seems easy enough, but... You'd be surprised how many people get that wrong. In fact, Jim Rohn says this, learn how to separate the majors and the minors. A lot of people don't do this well simply because they major on the minor things. Leaders, are you this kind of leader? (laughs) Are you the person who majors on the minors? If I were to ask you to write down the two or three major things that you're focusing on right now in your company, would you be able to do it? Would you be able to articulate that on paper or even in words? No matter where you are, as soon as you sit down, my encouragement is this, for you to take a few moments to evaluate what the major issues, the major things that you're dealing with that you should be focusing on at your work, at your company. And of course, you know, there are different actions that we take in different seasons, but you know what? All of these problems we have to deal with because they're going to come up and they're going to come up frequently and all the time. They're not going to diminish. They're only going to multiply. And this is why, Amber, here it is. I'm a big fan of journaling, right? (laughs) I love journaling. I have been journaling for as long as I can remember. I'm talking since I was a little kid. But before I tell you about exactly what I think about it, um, You need to understand how to evaluate your own life. You need to begin to journal through your leadership journey. And I'm not saying you need to sit down and write down Dear Diary every day and you think, Mo, that's just not something that I do. Well, in general, it's it's this right here. You need to learn how to approach life in a certain way. And leaders, if nothing else, you need to have a leadership journal, somewhere to write down the major issues and even the minor issues in your, uh, in your life. And Amber, didn't we see a lot of change in your leadership journey when you started journaling? Wow. I mean, I, it was an amazing difference because I would say consistent journaling is what made the huge difference because like you, I journaled for a really long time, but I only journaled about certain things in certain seasons. If it was really big or a particularly challenging time, then I would journal about it. But when you started talking to me about journaling about everything, 
all the time, making sure I captured thoughts. We'd have a conversation and you would say, I, I hope you've been journaling about that. And I'd be, oh, oh I am. <laughs> and then I go home and journal really <laughs> fast. But I, I just, I didn't think about doing it all the time. And sometimes I would sit down and I'm like, I don't know what to say about this thing or this person or, but I just kind of did it. But I built it into my life as a practice. And what I realized from being consistent at it is that what I used to think were the majors, the big problems, turned out to not be the problems at all. And we know that that's true, that the problem is usually never the real problem. But what I found in the journaling about everything, my interactions with people and my team and events and different things that I did, I began to notice that when I hit a problem, all of the things that I was thinking and feeling and doing leading up to that problem were the actual problem. Those were the majors. Those were where I needed to put my time and my intention so that like we talked about last week, I could anticipate a problem. When I was only dealing with a problem when it was right in front of my face, I'm like, well, I don't know how this happened. This came out of nowhere. When I started journaling consistently and got like a whole year into it, I started to be able to recognize when a problem was on its way and I could look back and say, oh, I haven't been investing in this area or I didn't address that the way that I should have. Or honestly, sometimes I could look back and think, wow, I actually tackled that one a little different this time. And it gave me the confidence and the motivation to continue on making good choices, applying good leadership, so that next year when I put something in my journal and look back, I could see even more of an increase. So I, I'm a huge fan of journaling. People now that know me longer than an hour have probably had me ask them the question, do you journal? Because it's that important. And Amber, it's so important to write these things down. And just like you said, if you don't write those things down, you're going to end up not looking at the major issues and you're going to minor on the things that you think are important, but you know that they're not. In fact, John Maxwell says that when you write these things down, you need to find somewhere to do it consistently. He's had in his house for years, what he calls his thinking chair. And he literally sits there and he thinks and he journals and he does a lot of the thinking that he needs to do to understand and write down those majors in his life. Leaders, if you wake up every morning and know that you have a major vision or goal in front of you, then you're going to be at a huge advantage. But you know what? If you don't, you're going to be at a huge disadvantage because the best leaders that I know in the world, the men and women who are making a difference, they have a laser-like focus of their priorities that they need to fulfill to get the job done. And so that's my hope for you out there today, leaders. You know what, I, I don't care how you do it. You might scribble down some notes on a, on a greasy pizza box. I don't know. You might use bullet, uh, bullet form. You might even uh, write out full paragraphs like I do. But whatever you do, do it on a daily basis. Because the action point is to major on the majors. And you can't do that, Amber, unless you write it down. And I know you've been so good about that in the past couple of years now that it has really changed the way that you do leadership. And it's made you even more effective and made your leadership lead, um, gosh, get, get to new levels and new heights. Yeah. So listeners out there, if you're not doing this, all I can say is take your cue from Nike and just do it. Just try it. Commit for a year of just being consistent and you will see your effectiveness in leadership and in life change dramatically. So Mo, 
Effective leaders look for problems. Effective leaders major on the majors. What is the third and final point of the day for being an effective leader? The third point of the day, Amber, is this. Effective leaders employ problem solvers. Now, it doesn't mean you're employees. It means you put people out in front that are going to solve problems. Who are those problem solvers that you know? Because effective leaders are the ones that are going to get things done and you cannot get those things done yourself. That's why they're majors. If they're minors, you could probably just put in a little extra time, burn the midnight oil and get it done yourself. But the only people that are going to be able to get things done in the majors category are those who employ other people. In fact, I was on a call yesterday with some of the problem solvers on one of my teams that I work with. And during the course of that conversation, I kept on coming back and asking a couple questions. And here's the first question that I asked. Do you need more clarity on that point? Because Amber, you know me, sometimes I can just get off on a rant and I can, I can be raving about something and all of a sudden I'm like, what, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> but I've learned in my own leadership style that by asking that question, do you need more clarity on that point that I help bring it back to my problem solvers and allow them to ask me the questions and give them the ability to put them in the best place to help solve those major problems. Leaders, hear me when I say this. You think that you're making a ton of sense when you're talking to your people, right? You think that you're really clear, but in reality, <laughs> your, your people, when they get done listening to you, to you, they, they walk out of the room and they, they think, what, what, did, what did she just say? What, what does he want me to do? And it's frustrating for them. And they're afraid to ask you because they don't want to look dumb, but really it's not their fault. It's your fault. And it's frustrating for you later on because you come back and you think, well, didn't we talk about this? So when you ask that question, you have to be very deliberate and sincere about the way you ask that question. Because sometimes it feels like a rhetorical question, meaning you ask somebody, um, hey, does anybody have anything for the group? But really, you know and they know you don't really want that feedback. You just want them to nod and say, yeah, we get it. When in reality, you know they don't get it, they know they don't get it, and everybody's gonna be frustrated. Don't be that kind of leader. Be the effective leader. And effective leaders really ask the question and draw people in to start a conversation about those questions. Help your people to seek understanding in what you're saying. Amber, we need to give people a reason to want to engage with us and ask those questions of us. There is nothing worse than being in a meeting when the person running the meeting says, do you have any questions? And you know the last thing they want you to do is ask a question. So you're like, I really have a bunch of questions, but I'm not about to ask it, which sometimes I'm the one that just goes ahead and asks when everyone else in the room is like, why doesn't she just be quiet? <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's nothing worse than that. And when I, when I started realizing, uh-oh, I might do that too. I might ask a question that seems sincere, but really I'm just trying to close the meeting. Then I had to learn how to, no, I sincerely invite the feedback. So Mo, in order for me to be an effective leader, I need to employ problem solvers. But how do I know if somebody is a true problem solver? What, what am I looking for? Amber, that is the million dollar question. <laughs> and it's not about just looking about who's on your team right now and just choosing one, two or three of them and saying, all right, you're not my problem solvers. You might not have the right people on your team right now. 
You need people that are going to like the hard questions that you give them because they want to find the right answers. They want to be the problem solvers. They actually kind of pick themselves. They're the go-getters, the ones that are always trying to add value to the team, to add value to other people. They're the ones that end up getting things done. They're the ones that are continually trying to make things better, not for them, but for the team. You see, sometimes you're going to think to yourself that, oh, wow, I have the right people, but you don't. And you know what? I know it's frustrating, but if you don't take the time to take that next step and either remove the people that, that are a hindrance or help them to become the leaders and the problem solvers that you need them to be, then again, it's just going to come back to you being frustrated and you making excuses to me and me saying, no, that's your fault. <laughs> and again, Amber, that's what it always comes back to, right? So the direct answer, Amber, to your question would be this, <laughs> look for the following people. Here you go. You don't want people who have the attitude of, if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. Those aren't the people you want. The kind of people that you want are the people that look at a situation and think, everything's great, the system's working flawlessly, now, how can we break it and make it better? <laughs> Those are the kind of people that I want because it's at that point that you're going to build on your successes and learn what it means to be effective. And those kind of problem solvers, Amber, are the men and women that I want on my team. Those are the ones that are going to help me to be an effective leader, not for my sake, but for their sake. And so leaders, look for the problems. And then when you find those biggest problems, Put your biggest problem solvers at the forefront. Let them be the rock stars. Employ them. They're capable of tackling those issues. Let them be the ones to solve those problems. And you know what's going to bring success in the moment, but it's also going to bring lasting success. Well, and lasting success is, I think, what we all want in both life and leadership of not just a flash in the pan, but something that truly lasts and outlasts us. So again, the formula for being effective leaders is look for problems, major on the majors, and employ problem solvers. Mo, before we go, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Well, you know I do because I always do, right? <laughs> I would say this, Amber. You know, leaders, it's not good enough to just be in a leadership position. John Maxwell always says that that's, that's the lowest of the five levels of leadership. You need to get up to those next levels and you can't do that on your own. The way that we raise our leadership ability is that we tackle problems and we put ourselves in a position when the going gets tough. That's when leaders get going. That's when you are going to put yourself in a position to either bring the team up or push the team down. And leaders, my hope for you today is that you look to be a more effective leader you got to look for those problems. Look for the big problems and then get people to come alongside you. And when you do that, people are going to look at you and they're going to want to tackle even bigger problems and you're going to find yourself making the entire company better. Well, thank you, Mo. That brings us to the end of this episode. And thank you everybody for joining us here again at the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.